0: That's IXL.com slash B E.
1: I hope that you are ready for an excellent interview. Today we are talking with Eric Scheninger, who's the principal of New Milford High School in New Jersey. He recently wrote a book called the called Digital Leadership, and it is a great book. I hope that you have an opportunity to look at the show notes and download it, or buy it and read it, because he gives some great examples of how to be a digital leader and how to make a real difference in your students' lives. I hope to be able to interview some of the principles that he talks about in his book and go one-on-one with them about the seven pillars that they represent in his book. In this podcast, Eric is also going to talk about how social media has changed him and pushed his view of the world. He joined Twitter in 2009, and from that time on, he had a change of heart and totally changed. He says his teachers probably thought that he was abducted by aliens, and that's a pretty exciting thing to see someone recognize when they can do better, and then work hard to make sure that that happens. I hope you enjoy this interview, and be sure to follow Transformative Principle on Twitter and on Facebook, and please share this with your friends. And if you haven't subscribed, you can subscribe in iTunes or in Stitcher Radio. I'd like to welcome SaneBox as a sponsor of Transformative Principle. SaneBox is a service which allows you to avoid email insanity. It is really awesome because what it does is it takes all the email that you get, it reads the headers, and it determines whether or not you need to see that email right away or if it can save it for you later. It helps keep your inbox sane. What I really love about this is that it feels like I have a secretary who's waiting to give me information until I actually need it or have time to think about it. Every day at 4 o'clock, I get a summary email that tells me all the emails that I got that didn't go straight to my inbox, and then I can deal with those at a time that is more convenient for me, and not be interrupted when I'm doing other things throughout the day by emails that don't really matter. I love SaneBox. Check out the show notes for a link to uh, get $5 off.
0: First of all, Eric, why don't you start out telling us a little bit about um, your school and the book that you just released?
2: Oh well, my name is Eric Scheninger. I'm the principal at New Milford High School. Uh, New Milford is in New Jersey, about ten minutes west of the George Washington Bridge in Bergen County. New Milford itself is two square miles. In that two square miles, the high school serves 650 students. We're a blue-collar community and very diverse. Parents speak over 40 different languages. Why am I telling you this? Because if we can do and make all these initiatives that I talk about in my book happen in Milford, it can happen anywhere. Uh, You know, my my new book, Digital Leadership Changing Paradigms for Changing Times, really evolved from the work that I've been doing here at New Milford High School and the work that uh, I've done professionally as a result of my personal learning network. And it's really our journey that started here in 2009, where we went from a traditional school that blocked, banned, prohibited uh, student-owned devices, social media, to one that now has ubiquitous access. Students can bring their own devices and freely use social media as an integral part of the teaching and learning process. Digital leadership is a call to action. It's about changing mindset, behaviors. And providing a pathway for any leader to become more effective and efficient in what we do by harnessing and leveraging available technology. So, you know, in, in digital leadership, I break it down into what I call the seven pillars of digital leadership, which are the foundational elements that are essential components of any effective leader, whether you're a classroom leader, building level, or district. And it's those pillars that, you know, provide sort of the foundation for me or any leader to do what we do better. And those pillars are communications, public relations, uh, establishing a positive brand presence, professional growth and learning, student engagement, learning and achievement, learning spaces and environments, uh, and opportunity. So, you know, when I look, look at, you know, this whole journey that we've taken, which we've sort of created on our own here at the Milford High School uh, through collab- collaboration and calculated risk-taking. You know, The book basically all it does is uh, put into perspective our journey and how other leaders can replicate, modify, or adapt the steps we've taken to create a, a more relevant and meaningful teaching and learning culture.
0: That's great. Um, So I know that it is mostly about digital leadership, but it is about a lot more of that. In the very beginning of the book, you talk about how you went from a mandate-driven school to a culture of empowerment, support, and embracing. What what steps did you take that aren't necessarily technology-related to get your mind to change to a culture of empowerment from a mandate-driven school that you started out as?
2: Yeah, you know, I think, you know, even though the book is called Digital Leadership, leadership is leadership. It's, it's no different right. today than it was yesterday. Yep. There are store, still those essential elements that characterize uh, effective leaders today or yesterday. It doesn't really matter. But for us, it, I mean, the catalyst for me to become the type of leader that I am today happened to be social media. It, it wasn't until I got on Twitter just to be a better communicator – that I started to lurk and learn and develop a whole new construct for leadership and learning through my personal learning network from other practitioners. I quickly discovered that you know maybe things I'm doing aren't as effective as I think they are. Maybe there's a better pathway that I could take to get uh, more long lasting results that actually have an impact on everything in terms of what we're trying to do. So for us, it was, you know, when, when my journey started, you know, through Twitter and now obviously I connect with basically any tool there is out there. But what I learned was that establishing a culture that was so controlled and didn't really trust students or teachers wasn't really the way to go. And, and I think that big aha moment for me was reading Drive by Dan Pink. And Dan's book talked about the you know science behind intrinsic motivation. And we basically formed a culture built on autonomy, mastery, and purpose. So once we gave teachers and students more autonomy, we trusted them, we eventually empowered them to forge a better path and the control was relinquished and what's happened is embracement you know we don't have to you know mandate and direct because we know that builds resentment for an animosity towards a lot of the things that we want to accomplish as leaders so by you know incorporating autonomy calculate risk taking removing the fear of failure and we look at failure as I just learned what did not work. It's not truly failure. And then uh, getting students to embrace that concept and building upon that. So, you know, it was those simple steps. It was a change in mindset behaviors that really helped us for me to become a better leader. But it was that, you know, that social media catalyst that took the blinders off and put me in a better direction to move our school forward.
0: So what do you think it was about the social media that made it that took that took the blinders off? Was it just that you were talking to more people, that you weren't in your own bubble? Was it that you found better people than those who were around you? What what do you think was that catalyst that made it change for you?
2: I think schools have been structured the same way for so long that they're either silos of information or isolated islands. And and, you know, it's very, I mean, our face to face connections are so valuable. But what I learned was, again, through the type of collaboration that social media has afforded me, the endless possibilities that were out there, the feedback, the strategies, ideas, resources that really pushed my thinking along a variety of different. Like it had never been pushed before. And I eventually just reflected. I looked around and and I'm I'm talking to colleagues. I'm watching what they're doing. And the first thing I thought of is one, why are we not doing it here at New Milford? And, And two, why the heck was I so ignorant and stubborn as a beginning administrator? And you know what? What we don't know, we fear. And for me, I was not educated on a variety of different pathways that we could be going here in New Milford High School to really create a meaningful, relevant, applicable, authentic culture here at New Milford High School that our students found value in.
0: Right. And, and that's one of the things that you talk about um, in the book and in the other podcasts I've listened to is that the students are – are the ones that we really should be focusing on. And sometimes we get lost and think that it's all about the teachers or it's all about the parents and pleasing them. But really our students are our number one goal in there who we're doing everything for and we sometimes lose sight of that.
2: Yeah, I think we lose sight of it often, especially as building and district level leaders, is that you know, our job is to make sure that our number one stakeholder – is prepared for success in a dynamic changing world. And if they're not happy, we shouldn't be happy. And and I think this lens to digital leadership is really about empowering student voice and enabling them to be an integral component of the change process. So, you know, listening to them, implementing their ideas, whether it be along the lines of technology, which more often it is because we suppress their rights. And their rights, in a sense, to how they can and should learn. So digital leadership is about bringing them into the conversation, having them spearhead initiatives that, whether they involve or don't involve technology, that's irregardless of the point. But how do we get students to be the epicenter of this focus on essential skill sets that they so need, not standardized tests. Because you want to know the world is not a standardized test, but these skills such as collaboration, communication, creativity, technological proficiency, media literacy, digital citizenship, entrepreneurship, global awareness, that is what uh, the end game should be for schools. And it really is incumbent upon our student leaders to help us get to where we need to be.
0: Right, I think this is probably a good time uh, to talk about cyberbullying. That's one of the things that administrators and teachers are very much afraid of, and um, and I've heard you say that you have virtually no cyberbullying going on at your school. Right? Is that right?
2: Um, it is a mere fraction of the discipline that we deal with, and a lot of a great deal of our success in this area, again comes down to we trusting our students with their own devices. We are empowering them to use the devices for learning. We are educating them about digital citizenship, responsibility, and creating a positive digital footprint. When you create a culture of teaching and learning that allows tools, whether it be devices or social media to be aligned with learning outcomes. And that is the culture that resonates. With your students and with your staff, you no longer have to fear what students might be doing. Mm-hmm. There are two groups that are at fault if cyberbullying and inappropriate behavior are taking place in school. First and foremost, it's the administration for not establishing a culture that dictates that the tools will be used for learning, increased productivity, and conducting better research. But then also on lesson design in a sense that, you know, students are not authentically engaged, uh, in the teaching and learning process. So I think for us, having a vibrant social media presence, consistently modeling how we use social media as a professional, uh, tool for teaching, learning and communication, getting our students involved to learn transparently, showcase their work, engage in conversations online has really helped us to create uh, a a sort of digital presence that we're proud of. And our students, they know we're out there, but they also know that we're not looking for them to make mistakes. We're looking to showcase the great work that we're doing. And the conversation shifts from inappropriate behavior to uh, loudly boasting about, you know, what did we learn today? How did we make a difference? How did we drive change And we just have example after example of our students doing this. You know, we go to conferences. What do we do? People get up, they take pictures, they do audio notes. Our students do that in school. They Mm -hmm. capture moments of learning with their phones. That's what we do now as administration. So everything is interconnected here with our strategy to incorporate what we call mobile learning devices as tools to really just enhance the entire process for our kids and make it more, again, relevant, meaningful, and applicable.
0: Yeah, that's great. Um, So before you joined Twitter, you were the principal at New Milford, right? Uh, Yes. And so you had to go through this change that you experienced while you had already been communicating your vision to the teachers. And and then you had to kind of go against, maybe not against, but just change how you thought of things. Um, talk about that process. How did you get teachers on board with you so they believed and trusted what you were saying and didn't think that you were just chasing some new fad?
2: Yeah, I think most people think that I was abducted by, abducted by aliens <laughs> and it dropped back off because I did a complete 180. And, and again, for me, I had my perception My perception of social media and open source technology was based on my fear and lack of education. So as I became more educated and I lurked and learned and sort of my network of connected educators that uh, formed my support structure and guidance in this area, you know, when I started explaining my vision for what I thought our school should be. I think most people thought I was crazy. And and I knew that if I just mandated directed, it it was never going to withstand the test of time. And, And that's why in my book, I talk about the importance of sustainable change, not a fad, not a trend, something that becomes an embedded component of school culture that leads to transformation. So for me, I went to my core, a core group of teachers. I pulled five aside in 2009 and said, listen, this is my vision. I want this to be our collective vision. What can I do to support you to help make sure the vision becomes reality? Those five teachers got whatever they wanted. They got technology. They got time. They got professional learning opportunities. They got flexibility if they wanted the video conference with different time zones.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I began to model the expectations that I had for the entire staff. Uh, I steal a line from David Britton, who's featured in, in the book, a Superintendent from Michigan. you know I, th- I began to lead out loud mm-hmm. by modeling uh, what I wanted my teachers to do because I'm a firm believer is that we need to be the lead learners right and whether we're learning. We also got to be leading and we have to take our staff where they need and where we want them to be. And that only happens when, you know, we provide them the unconditional support, but we also prove that we have a stake in the change and transformation process. It's not easy, but I've seen so many technology initiatives fail because the leaders are an empty suit. They just direct, they rule by memo and it really is that we learn together and we mm-hmm. construct new knowledge together and then we implement the initiatives together. Uh, I think that was the key to our success. Now, you know, with that, that Vanguard group of five, I can now honestly say every single one of my staff members has or is integrating technology effectively allow, aligned to learning outcomes each and every day or each and every week. And we let people go at their own pace, but the students and teachers have now become the drivers of change and from their successes, it is fed into this change and transformation process because people have a choice. Mm -hmm. It's your choice to integrate technology as a learning tool. And what they found is the results have been exceeded their expectations that instead of just sipping the Kool-Aid, people are downing the Kool-Aid, and I'm having to continually mix more Kool-Aid because everyone <laughs> feels that through embracement and empowerment, they have become uh, the change that they wish to see in education or at New Milford High School.
0: Yeah, that's, that's amazing. So all these teachers, um, you must have hired young, millennial age, brand new teachers, right? Because- you know what they say, people who have taught more than 10 years are afraid of technology and will never implement it. Is that what you experienced at New Milford?
2: Um, I think that statement is totally inaccurate. I agree. <laughs> and, you know, here at New Milford, we run the gamut. We have brand new teachers and we have veteran teachers. Even some of the veteran teachers, 30 plus years, are leading the charge in their own way. I think it's all about hiring the person with the right mindset, someone that wants to learn someone. That's not afraid to take risks, someone who will adapt, collaborate, model, continuously learn. Those are the things I look for age experience. I could care less. Are you a right fit for Mm -hmm. the students of new Milford? Will you fit in to this culture that we're continuously, uh, revamping or that it's continuously evolving to provide a better learning experience for our students. The emphasis is dirt is placed during the questioning of prospective candidates.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, we have particular questions to weed out those individuals that are not a right fit for our culture. But I feel that anyone can learn because I look at myself. Yes, I was a younger administrator, but I was stubborn and as, as ignorant as they came and I changed. I, I changed because I became educated and it's my job to not only hire the best teachers, but educate them on how they can become even better. And if it's using technology, that's my role. Mm-hmm. If it's in another aspect, it's my role as well.
0: Yeah, that's great. Um so I'm at elementary school right now and our teachers have uh very scripted programs to teach language arts and math. Um, I'm not sure what it's like at the high school level. I, I taught middle school before and now I'm in elementary, but you you say that you allow teachers to take control of their classrooms and students to take control of their learning. Do you have any conflicts and how do you balance out what the district or state is saying needs to happen and and how you let your teachers have autonomy and the freedom they need to do To implement the things you want them to implement?
2: Well, I'm probably stating the obvious, but the federal and state government really don't have a clue as to what's best for kids Mm -hmm. because they rarely come down to the trenches and ask or, let alone see, what we are doing for kids. Uh, I'm very fortunate to be in a district that has granted me uh, levels of autonomy that I will never take for granted. Mm-hmm. And we are a common core state we are a park governing state so we have to you know play ball with you know different federal and state mandates we don't have a choice mm-hmm. we do have a choice to provide a learning experience that our students find value in that they want to be a part of that they will apply and be authentically engaged so So we do our best to uh, deal with the burden that is placed upon us, especially with all the testing coming down the pipe and all these other initiatives that – where there is no bona fide research base to Mm -hmm. prove that it impacts student learning and achievement. So we do what we got to do, but my job is to make sure my students are prepared to be successful in a digital connected world that they have these skill sets to be prepared to be employed for jobs that don't even exist yet. So it's a little mix. You know, we are making sure that the common core standards are being addressed, but we've taken control on how we address them, how we assess them to a point. I mean, when park gets rolled out next year, we'll have less, uh, control over the assessment piece because our kids will be turned into testing zombies. Mm -hmm. And and my fear is that all the great work that we've done here over the years could be undone. And and we've seen increases in AP scores. We've seen increases, dramatic increases in attendance. Graduation rates are at an all time high. We're like 95% last year. Uh, Acceptances and, Follow through at four year institutions are up. All that we feel is because we make learning fun and and see the value of what they're getting.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think that's the right approach to take. Um, So I have two final questions that I ask on each interview. The first one is what advice would you give someone today um, to help them become a transformative principal like you?
2: I think the best advice I can give is to get on social media, not because you want to be a technology leader, but because you want to be a better leader and tap into what's a growing pool of practitioners that are leading by example that are sharing their, uh, challenges, their adversity, their moments of adversity and their successes. You don't need to reinvent the wheel. Everything that we want to do in education leadership has been done. So let's go find those success stories. And our, our challenge is how do we translate another school or leader success into success in our school? So how do we adapt? How do we tweak these initiatives? So the best advice is to uh, break away from the silos of information and in these isolated islands that we have grown so accustomed to and that, you know, you know, look ourselves in the mirror and say, you know what? The status quo does not work anymore. How can we move our schools forward? The best way and the best way to save time is to learn from those practitioners that are doing it each and every day. That's why I'm so proud of my book because every chapter opens up with a transformative leader. It's their vignette. It's their story of how they have initiated sustainable change and they are making a difference in a variety of districts across this country. And how did I get access to them? Through social media. Mm -hmm. Now people have access through the book. But you want to know something, you can go online any day, any time from anywhere for free and learn more about transformational leadership.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and we are a perfect example of that. My goal with this podcast is also to highlight those people across the country who are doing amazing things and who are making a huge difference and impact in their schools. And the same way that I'm getting access to them, the same way I got access to you was by following and interacting with them on social media and, and people are generous with their time and with what they're doing. And we as educators naturally want to help other people and it shows. And I totally agree with that, that advice. I think it's great. Well, you
2: know, the one thing I'll say is, and just piggybacking off your point, we are all in the same business, we are in the business of helping kids. So if we do not want to make the time to help one another, then our views, our mission, our values are out of line. And then we're not really here for for the kids. We're here for ourselves. And that uh, is not a recipe for successful school change or transformation.
0: Absolutely. So my last question is a personal question. Um, What is something that you have up in your office that motivates or inspires you? I know you're not in your office right now, so you may need to think about it, but maybe you got some already.
2: Pictures of students, pictures of students where they were doing great work or part of a meaningful learning experience. Uh, I also have some plaques that students made for me that were so extremely touching because, again, it, what it all comes down to is I do what I do for my students here at New Milford High School. And I hope that some of our stories, our initiatives, our successes can help other schools provide a a better learning experience for their students. So there are a lot of things up on my walls because this journey has led to a great deal of professional success. Mm -hmm. But the only success that really means anything is that which is connected to my students. So anything student-related – which there are many different things in my office. Uh, that's what I am most proud about. And that's what motivates me each and every day uh, to do what I do, to you know, not only help the New Milford students be the best they can be, but show the world uh, the potential of a New Milford High School student.
0: That's awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time today. Is there anything you'd like to add before we sign off? The
2: uh, only thing I'll add is, you know, um, my book, Digital Leadership Changing Paradigms for Changing Times, is available uh, through Corwin Press. It's also available digitally for an ebook version for both iPad and every other device. And you can get the Kindle version on Amazon. And again, uh, you know, I did not have any ambition to write a book. Uh, Corwin was, was kind enough to approach me and would not take no for an, exa- uh, for an answer <laughs> when I said no once about writing a book on my work. And it really, it gives a practitioner's perspective on how we all can change our professional practice to do what we do better. It can be on on a digital aspect, sure, but it doesn't have to be. It's all about looking at the things that we do each and every day and figuring out, is there a better way? And if so, not being afraid to take some risks to improve you know the learning culture for our kids
0: yeah absolutely um i'll also provide links to the book um in the show notes so that people can download it and again eric thank you so much for your time you are awesome and i really appreciate you taking the time for me today
2: uh thank you very much for being patient and scheduling this with me Uh, accommodating time
1: I want to thank Eric Sheninger for an awesome interview. That guy is very inspiring. Please make sure that you subscribe to this show on Stitcher Radio or in iTunes. Please tell your friends about it. And you can find us on the web at trnfrmprinciple or at facebook.com slash transformativeprinciple. I'd also like to thank SaneBox for helping me Avoid Inbox Insanity, and I hope you can do the same too. See the show notes for a link to get $5 credit.
0: Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com slash